This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Today it's six o'clock, the third of October. The final score from the city ground: Nottingham Forest one, Bristol City two. That's four out of four in the league. The best start City have had to a season. Wait for this since nineteen twenty-seven. So uh, before we get into the detail of the action, let me go through uh, and get the uh, snapshot views of each of my uh, three guests this evening. Uh, first of all, I'll go to. Uh, Dave Febs, I mean, Dave, hard-earned performance. Did they play like you expected them, Forrest, in terms of your pre-match assessment? And a quick uh, resume from you on uh, how you saw the action. Very quick one to begin with. Yeah, I'd say hard-fought hard win, Dave. No, no disagreement there. Um, I guess they played better than I thought, um, and especially after we took a 2-0 lead as well. I really thought that you know their confidence would be shot, but they, they got back into it. And they gave us a really, a really hard game. Uh, stopped our wing-backs getting forward, stopped us recycling possession that way. And I think that was kind of, a, for me, the big learning curve or the learning item for, for Dean Holden is what do we do against teams that, that play a back four? And, you know, we've come through yeah. unscathed, but I think, you know, they'll have lots of ideas coming out of that about how, how they need to play slightly differently, but good yeah. win. Good win. Ian, your thoughts, uh, brief initial thoughts on that uh, 90 minutes this afternoon? Well, I, th- I think uh, when we went 2-0 up, I thought I could see us getting four or five here. Uh, by the end of the game, I'd have taken a point. Mm-hmm. Um, because in fairness, if I was a Forest fan, uh, I'd be desperately disappointed not to have won it, uh, even yeah. though they could. Because don't forget, Bentley made a couple of very well, one world class save, and and a very good save in the first half while we were going two nil up. So yeah. certainly second half. Um, I mean, I've in, in the mark ratings out of ten. I well, come on to those. Come on to those later. I've, come I've on to those Bentley later. A, Oh, yeah, I've given Bentley a 10, and I've, I don't think I've ever done that before with anyone. No, no, I was tempted when we come on to that. Mark, uh, your thoughts uh, on the action? Uh, you know, it was um, the toughest test city you've had so far, uh, even though Forrest had that wretched start to the season. But your thoughts on, uh, brief thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was like Rourke's drift in the end. Um, when we were 2 0 up, I mean, we looked like we could pick them off easily, and they looked very suspect at the back. With um, you know the the, the slow callback cold, uh, and uh, an Arter in midfield who gave no cover to them at all, and I think we, we we should have got the third goal, and then they gradually paid themselves into the game 
wonderful save by Bentley from Mighton, the young kid, maybe six, 17 or 18, because it was behind him, yeah. clawed it yeah. onto the post and away. And in the second half, that shot from Christie that he tipped over, and then the save from Taylor again was a wonderful save. Low down on the but floor. It was, I think it, it's all about composure with City this season. I was up at Preston last season, and we were 2 nil up and 3-2 up, and we eventually drew 3 all because yeah. we made mistakes. We may, you know, there'd be sides with better quality, and we let a lot of crosses into the box, and Forrest had 21 shots on goal, but the composure of these players, they're playing a composure at 11. They're just not getting ruffled at all. They've no, got they to didn't. do something about. They've got to do yeah. something about protecting the defence better. And the other thing we didn't do, we didn't kill them off. We had several counter attacks at the end, and could have been a little no, we bit did. better. Well, we're coming to those. We're coming we should to those have done that. But otherwise, yeah, yeah very pleased. Good, but good I think the breaks come at a good. The break's come at a good time for us. Yeah, uh, Steve's commented. Alec McCoy's watching for Sky said that Bentley's display was one of the best uh, keeper displays he's ever seen. So if we go through the action, and that's the first point of note, across from the left, it was on five minutes. And the way Bentley got up there, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that it was in the same league as that saved by Banks against Pele in 1970. I mean, Dave, do you think I'm overplaying it a bit there? But, I mean, he touched it onto the post. He had no right to get it, did he? No, I think it's difficult to be able to make a, a save better than that, to be honest. You know, as, as Mark said, it's behind him and he clawed it out. You know, I I was kind of waiting for the net to go, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, did you see, would you say it was uh, comparable, uh, Ian, with uh, Banks 1970? Um, you gave him a 10, you said, so it's got to be something yeah, special. I would, I, I would say it, it's a diff- it was a different save, the uh, Joy Zeno cross and Pelly's header, because Pelly's header went down, then up, so and Banks had to get right across his yeah. goal and tip it, and he actually tipped it over the bar from a, about three feet off the ground. So I would say, on you know, you can argue all day which, which is the best save. It was a world class save, and anybody watch. If you were a scout watching Dan Bentley today, and somebody said, "Well, we need to sign a goalkeeper," and you know, we we've got ten, fifteen million to spend, and you're in the Premier League, you you'd have gone away from that game and said. Get the checkbook out and get on the phone to Mark Ash. Get him signed. Yeah, when you look at some of the goalkeepers and the money they've changed hands for. So we come to uh, Mark for the first uh, goal, but uh, it was preceded by a flurry of corners from City, three in quick succession. Then on 15 minutes, it was uh, Naki Wells who uh, fed in uh, Martin and his uh, uh, ball was deflected. And Wyman, he finished it off well, didn't he, uh, Mark? Uh, good, good. Yeah. Again, good team goal for the first goal. Yeah, he shifted his feet and curled it round a defender, and the complete keeper was completely unsighted. Just stuck it in in the corner, and we we were we were we were on our way. And then every time we went forward, we looked like we could score. That I think we, that that's the thing we got to say because we only had we only had seven shots on goal in the whole game and five on target. It was very very uh, limited uh, number of chances today, but we made we yeah. made them count. That's something we're getting them on target was good. Getting them on target, yeah, that very, ratio very good. of shots and those on target, and then uh, and, and two assists from Martin again. Of course, and exactly, uh, Dave. Um, Twenty two minutes, uh, Chris Martin. Uh, what a buy he's proved to be, but. Uh, Samba in goal, didn't really know much about that save. I mean, that, that deserved a goal just for the power that he got on the header, didn't it? Yeah, sometimes, you know, if you put a ball in with quality, it doesn't matter how well you're set up defensively. It needs a touch from someone, whether it's a striker or a, a centre-back, and it's, and it's a goal, then you're right. I don't want to hit him in the kind of 
shoulder or the head. I'm not sure, but he, he, yeah. he, got, it, he got it clear. But actually, fairness to Samba, he's, he's one of those keepers that makes a lot of unorthodox saves. So it didn't surprise me that he kind of managed to get something on that. Yeah, no, I think you could say it was the clavicle where it hit him, but I'm trying to be uh, too medical from that perspective. So goal <laughs> number two when it came was literally a minute after that. And again, a stunning team goal. I mean, Pato had it on the left. I had to text one of you guys to say where that ball crossfield to Hunt came from. Pato had it on the left, and the way he was zing the ball across, it was a Tinian-esque, I would say, uh, the way he sent it to uh, Hunt, Hunt into the middle, Martin with the uh, header and Wells, uh, Ian, it was a very similar goal to what he got against Stoke because it came up high and, you know, it needed a good uh, striker's finish and body position to to keep it down, didn't it, on 23 minutes? Yeah, I, I think one of the, if you want to say, one of the crimes we committed today was not giving enough service to Patterson and Wells because there's no doubt about it, they are a partnership in the way that perhaps Jiju and Wells weren't a partnership. Um, And it it was a left-foot finish, whereas the one at Stoke was a right-foot finish. But Naki Wells is a fox in the box or a fox around the box, and we need to give him more service, which is why I think he was a a bit sulky and a bit cheesed off when they took him off. Although I was in favour of Semenyo coming on because he closes down, he makes powerful runs. And don't forget... Another great save their keeper made was when he tipped that shot from Semenyo wide at the end. And if yes, that he had did. Gone in, if that had gone in, you know, that would have been only five years off my life watching that, not ten. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that wouldn't have been any uh, lesson we deserve. So the first 25 minutes, we're in the ascendancy. You know, we're in dreamland, basically. You know, that's how, you know, you're sitting there open mouth watching it because it was a continuum of what we've seen in most of the... Uh, the opening four games. But uh, I come to Dave for uh, the goal. I mean, I thought um, we were maybe getting a little bit too cocksure at the back and Zach Viner had a better second half than first. Freeman picked the ball up and I think I texted you and said the only time he did something like that for City was against Ipswich, I think, in his last season here. But nobody closed him down and the way he curled it past uh, Bentley was uh, not too dissimilar from the goal that Pato got last uh, week. But uh, your thoughts on the goal we conceded? Could have been prevented? Do you think we were, you know, a bit standoffish? Yeah, definitely. I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was literally screaming at the telly, but I was there saying, close it down, close it down. And I think there's the, the tendency for Viner is to think he's okay going that way onto his right foot. And and that's, that's understandable. And I think he probably thought the danger of his left gave him a bit too much room and, you know, I don't doubt it's a, a swinger from um, from Luke Freeman, but you know, boy, did he strike that and he, you know curled away from Bentley and he had absolutely no chance. But I thought for kind of five or six minutes before that goal, we just got into some bad habits. And yeah, we were just trying not necessarily overplaying, but trying to trying to play a bit perfect perfect football. And mm. then there were times when we just needed to move the ball on, and because we couldn't play that perfect ball. We, we lost it and they broke on us. And I think we invited trouble on really for the majority of the, the end of that half. And I was glad yeah. to get in at 2-1 up. Well, the half-time couldn't come uh, soon enough, really. I mean, uh, Ian, what do you think uh, Dino would have said to the players at half-time? Because it was interesting, again, I have to say the coverage on Robin's TV has been 
top draw and Tinian as an analyst. Uh, we had a good one last week in Rene Gilmartin, but Tinian was uh, spot on, particularly his first half criticism of uh, Viner or picking up some of his uh, weak points. Well, what do you think Dino and the team would have said to the lads at half time in that game? I think they'd have told a few of them to wake up um, and it, uh, to do what we were doing when we did well. Because when we passed the ball and we passed it quick, I mean, you heard in the second half, Holden, one of the coaches on the side, screaming, pass it quick, pass it quick. Because yeah. when we did that and when, when we attacked them, when we went 2-0 up, they looked absolutely at the back. Their defenders did not know what to do with our, our attacking midfield players and our forwards. They, they, they had no idea. Unfortunately, we stopped doing that. And then at the start of the second half, we started going route one. And whenever we go route one, we don't play well. Mm. And he's had to stop us doing that a few times. So I think, I don't know what, what he, well, one of the things I know that he said, because it, it came out um, during who's, who's the game, off was that they were told, they were, they were told to stop crosses. Mm. And we didn't do that. And Forrest were going to score from crosses and we didn't stop the crosses. There's two ways you can deal with it. You can either say, cross it as much as you like, we'll let it away. Or you can say, um, stop the cross coming in. And it doesn't matter if they've got, I don't know, let's go back a few years, Ron Davis and Jeff Astle in the middle it, or Mark Aitley. It doesn't matter because they're not going to get a chance to head it. Now, I don't think we got the quality balls into Wells and Martin that they got into their forwards. And on the goal, it was a great strike um, by Freeman because he, he sliced it, really, hit across the ball. I'm not saying he didn't do it deliberately, but but what the problem for me was when he came inside Viner, all our other players sat back on the edge of the box and we had three players probably eight yards in front of Dan Bentley and they didn't yeah. need to be in that far. And we let in a few goals under Lee Johnson where people went and stood a yard in front of the goalkeeper. And and that isn't how good sides defend, unless, of course, there's a cross coming in low and you need to be that close. But you, someone, as soon as he came inside Viner, somebody should have ran out and challenged him. And there were three or four who could. And they, and did. they didn't. And I think, yeah. and I think that they, he would have picked up on that as well. I think overall, second half, if I had to be critical, and I will be, is that, we defended far too deep. And if you defend deep, you invite pressure and you invite people to ping yeah. balls in a box and, and yeah. shoot. And sooner or later, their shot quality was actually really, really poor. I mean, 71% of ours was on target, about 20% of theirs were because they had 21 shots. So, yeah, no, that's a high, that's a high, uh, that is a high ratio there. Steve's added on uh, text, he said, and in fairness, you know, it wasn't a good goal by Freeman. And he said, Freeman's change of pace and feet made in the time, and he's not blaming Viner if you uh, watch it again. But uh, but there we go. But he's also added that Freeman should have been finding himself running into one of our uh, midfield three. So different views on the goal. I say Zach uh, signed his three-year contract this week, and We'll talk about contracts uh, at the end of uh, the programme. Uh, come on to uh, Mark for the next piece of the action because the second half, it was one of those games where Forrest attacking the Trent end, you'd have thought with the crown behind them, you know, it may have influenced Keith Stroud. We'll talk about his performance later as well. But I've written down here 65 minutes. I think it was Christie, that second stunning save, Bentley tipped it over the top 
66 yeah. minutes, Colbeck got in, Bentley saved low, Mawson looked like he was pushed there. Then in a rare uh, respite from what was an onslaught, uh, uh, Chris Martin, um, he found himself in some space, lobbed it over. Somebody said on there he didn't look a bit leggy, but for all the running round he'd done, you know, that was uh, it. And then we had that save from Bentley on 72. So we have saves from Bentley on 65, 66 and 72. We were really under the cost, weren't we, Mark? And do you think under a Lee Johnson side, we would have buckled? Your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, uh, I mean, they would have, like you said, Ian said, we were defended too deep. The difference between that and the Stoke game was what we had three players who were ready to counterattack uh, on the edge of their on the edge of their area, rather than playing deep into the penalty area, so that we could win the ball back and we were stopping the ball coming into the box. I mean, he brought Steve Fletcher on for evokes in the second half and the ball was just dropping over the back three, who, who marshalled it very well. Today, they didn't. Particularly Uyanu, uh, the guy on the left-hand side for them, the Greek, was getting cross after cross in. Christie on the right, some as well. I mean, Mawson, uh, Taylor and Viner, especially in the second half, really held it together well. And they had, there was a lot yeah. of composure. They didn't jump into any tackles. They just repelled everything and they had... You know the man of the match, Bentley, but it was our it was our midfield p- f- failure really to protect the back three that was the problem, and our wastefulness in in killing the game off. Yeah, we played the ball long to to, to Martin and Tiju and tried to flick the ball on, and it was only going to come straight back. That was the problem, and and you, you yeah. can see it. It's meat and drink at this level. If you're playing in League One and League League Two, maybe you get those flick ons, but it's just too easy for uh, Championship defenders. Yeah, Dave, I'll come to you. I'll come to you next, Dave. If I can say, you know, that second half, Viner stepped up to the plate definitely a much better first. And Tyreek, first hour, he wasn't what he has been in the first three games. But after that little flurry, the save from Bentley, you know, we 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 I felt we finished the game a little bit more composed. It was still back to the wall, but we seemed to be in control. And we and I said Vyman and Pato, I texted you and said, gone AWOL in the second half. Now Vyman, his running is worth having him on for, but it was no surprise, Dave, when uh, Brunt came uh, on for Pato on uh, 77 minutes. Yes, your thoughts on that and the other point you were about to raise. Yeah, no, no surprise on the subs. Um, I, I think, you know, this... People who know my my poster on OTA will know I'm not a, a strong believer in formations being the, the be all and end all. Um, and that in the majority of cases, I think you know it's probably something like a I'd say a 70-30 players versus formation. But today, I think we saw what happens when you play a, a three-five-two against a, a four-two-three-one, especially if those midfield three don't shuffle across the pitch. And don't shove mm. across the pitch quickly, because what you end up doing is you end up with your right wing back having both the 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 the, the, fo- the forward player either the right or the left one, depending on which side we look. So if we, if we take Jack Hunt for example, he's got um, Amiobi down the left against him, but then he's also got Iwanu. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, from, from, yeah, from, from sh- shooting stars from Vic Reeves, but. Um, and then what do you do? You you end up you could go and close down Amiobi and he just rolls a ten yard ball back to Iwanu, who then, you know, had a lovely left foot and strokes the ball into the middle. And what you've got to do there, you you know, if, if Pato's the right side in one of the three, albeit a slightly advanced, but he's got to move across quicker. Backinson's got to come across another ten yards. 
And and even to, even Tommy Rowe on the far side, he's just got to tuck in and be narrow. And you condense the, the play, you condense the space they got to play in, and you stop them building, encouraging moves down that side. And I, you know, I'm no I'm no coach, and I know you know perhaps Steve, who's who's texted, has, has, has done his badges. I'm sure our guys will be looking at that and saying, we let them get the ball wide and into crossing positions too easy. And that allowed them to build momentum. It meant their central midfielders could push on and squeeze the space as well. And I think I think Mark, Mark just made the point as well. We we perhaps were looking a little bit too much on a counter-attack rather than getting solid. And I think that didn't help us. In the end, I think we did see it out relatively comf- comfortably, but you know, it wasn't an easy afternoon. No, definitely not. To, to definitely, definitely not. Um, Mark, I'll come to you uh, next and say uh, the other substitution was uh, Diju on for the tiring Chris Martin. And he showed that whilst he might fumble things in front of goal sometimes, fam, first thing he did was one of those powerful defensive headers, uh, again, a critical part of the game. But um, fam, you know, good physical presence to bring on, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, and uh, good at the back, and and good at winning, it winning free kicks. Like a lot of the players, we we you know he's won a lot of free kicks and, and made a lot of tactical fouls when when we needed to. Yeah, but he's got he, he has got that strength. I mean, I think the problem with Fam is he he doesn't run the lines well. He's not the, and he's not the most industrious player. But mm. when we're defending as deeply as we did today, and you need somebody to defend corners and stick their at it, and then he's your number one choice. Uh, yeah. He just needs to improve himself a little bit at the other end. But the thing yeah. we brought in Chris Martin, Dave, who was a journeyman pro, he, ex- he was expected to be the guy we brought off the bench and he scored goals and he's chipped in with loads of assists. Yeah, absolutely no. fantastic. Well, he's turned out this season really so yeah. far, still early days, yeah. to be the Aaron Wilbraham of 2014-15 yeah. season. You know, an unexpected bonus. Ian, I'll come to you uh, next. Um, I said we sort of, although we're under pressure, we did have chances in the closing stages. Semenyo, who come on for uh, Naki Wells, somebody put a clip on uh, Twitter, and while somebody said he looked a bit peed off at being subbed, he seemed quite happy chappy when he came off. But uh, Semenyo had come on before the uh, other two subs. He wasted a chance on 81, and then he drew that great save from uh, Samba in 90. I mean, Semenyo, having somebody of his presence to come on, if Fan were to go, you'd be more disappointed at losing Fan for his defensive ability than Semenyo, who maybe he can't defend, but he can certainly hold the ball up in that final third of the field, can't he? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a decision to be made on Fan. If we can't get back... Uh, for the first point is timing. Uh, if he's going to go abroad, uh, which really doesn't seem likely now, where he wouldn't, wouldn't have played today... Uh, he needs to do it by 11 o'clock on Monday. So I can't see that happening. That ain't happening, um, no, no. Unless, now, he can still, up to the 15th of October, he can still go to a club in the UK. But not many clubs have shown, you know, a lot of the rumours haven't centred around UK clubs. So if somebody comes in with a, a cheeky bid, and by that I mean sort of, I don't know, a million, million and a half quid uh, on transfer deadline round about the 14th, and we haven't got a replacement to bring in because, yes, I think you need to... You could say, well, we'll do the season with Martin, Semenyo, Wells and Wyman. But I would still want a taller, if you want to call it, stronger um, striker in case anything happened to um, Chris Martin or one of the other strikers. Bearing in mind that at the moment, 
you know, Voiman is a midfield player, and I thought he had a really good game today. Um, but no, I think we've found we've we've unless we get getting on for what we paid, and we can bring somebody in at short notice, and you'd hope they'd have had various people lined up just on, on a what if basis. Then yeah. I think we should just hang on hang on to him for the rest of the season. But he needs to be motivated. And my concern would be particularly when he gets to Christmas, you know, is he really... He's not going to bust the gut. He's not going to bust the gut no. knowing that he's off in the summer. No, absolutely right exactly. there, And that, and, and that, right. Does, that, that does worry me. Yeah. Um, Dave, um, Stroud, the referee, I was looking on the Forest Forum, or somebody put a link on uh, OTIB earlier today, and he was uh, he's reviled by them as much uh, as by us. And looking at the bookings... Um, somebody said he's uh, on the text here, he's turned, turned you a bit of a homer in the second half. He booked Mawson and Hunt for us. Uh, no bookings for them. But Stroud, how did you rate his performance this afternoon in the black shirt? Yeah, I, th- I thought he was okay first half, but second, second half. It was me that actually put that on the on the forum then saying I thought he turned, <laughs> into a, turned into a homer in the second half. There were loads of little pushes and shoves on our players that, that weren't given at all. And, and Colback. I lost count of the number of times he fouled either Backington or Patterson or, or Vyman in the midfield, and he just let him get away with it. And, and so, yeah, I thought he was. He ended up having a reasonable first half, but I thought he was poor by the end of the game. And I don't think he helped us as well. There were there were, there were some fouls where you know we've got the ball in good positions out on a touchline, get bundled over, and they break on us, and everyone's expecting a free kick. Yeah, he's played the whistle, but ref, you've got to do better as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, again, I commented uh, earlier, Mark, I'll ask you this one, that uh, the absence of home crowds is putting less pressure on referees and we don't notice them like we do in the heat of battle in a fully attended match? Yeah, especially when there are flashpoints. I mean, like there was with Ashley Williams last year when he went completely tonto. Of course he did, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that. It just doesn't happen. I think that helps the pl- helps the players' composure because they can talk to one another. It really helps young players, but referees as well. I mean, they must go under. They must undergo a lot of stress. You know, reading yeah. if read a comment comments on social media about their performances as well as getting referees assessors checking up on them. But I don't think he he did too bad. But like David said, Dave said he was a bit of a homer. There were some some uh, trips and a few scrapes with the Forest players that he he, he let them get away with. Whereas we got a couple of bookings in the first half, and especially with Alfie Mawson, you worry that, you know, that um, the way they, they came back, that the next one's going to be ascending off and the game will completely change. But I think this is out referees in the main and young players because yeah. they haven't got that pressure, especially a player like Antoine Semenyo, who's been amazing. I, 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 it's, it's, it seems a completely different player since uh, he's come back this season. And the trust that... Uh, that um, uh, Dean Holden puts in him and players like Zach Viner and Taylor Moore is being repaid in spades and Tyreek Backinson because yeah. they're, they're putting in a shift. Even when they make mistakes, they just uh, sort it out. They obviously, had yeah. that talk at half time and they go on again. I mean, it's interesting you say how Semenyo's come back as a player uh, possessed. Uh, it's almost a bit like Bobby Reed because the year before Bobby had that stellar season, you'd have let him go for a couple of million and thought, Nothing of it. And I'm trying to think of another player who was awful for us. And then he came back for the start of one season. I think it was when Sammy Baldock and we beat Cardiff 4-2 at 
and he scored a couple of goals. Fairhead lad who we signed from somewhere. Somebody give me the name. I can't think of him at the moment. It was about seven or eight years ago. Uh, uh, he he wasn't very he's, good. He's got red hair. He's got red hair and we don't care. Uh, was it um, somebody Taylor? No, it wasn't him. That was Ryan Taylor, actually. He was playing for yeah. uh, Newport the other night and missed uh, one of their penalties or missed an easy chance for them. Yeah, did go to penalties, that one. Anyway, let's move think, on to the... Uh, go on in, sorry. Oh, was, it, uh, was it Martin Wolford? Martin Wolf, Wolford, right? Because Wolford, yeah. I think, was a defender for Arsenal. But Martin, there's only, there only one Martin Wolford, one Martin Wolford. He used to be, mm, and now he's all right, one Martin Wolford, and he disappeared. Anyway, let's get on to the... Uh, let's get on to the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, my match ratings, right? I'm always going to be a bit conservative. For anybody who's listening who wants to be critical, just add one to what I've said. Uh, and then I'll come to each of you to see if you violently disagree when I've done all of them. Now, I've given Bentley uh, a nine, yeah? The back three, I've given Viner, maybe a bit harsh, I've given Viner six, Taylor Moore seven, Alfie Morrison seven. The wing backs, I've given... Hunt six, because a lot of the crosses did come in from the Forest left-hand side. I've given Rose seven. I've given Wyman seven, because he did score and he did make himself a nuisance in the afternoon. Backinson a seven, because uh, he did a much-improved second-half performance. Certainly the last half hour, he put himself about a bit. Pato, I've given a six, because he was a bit invisible in the second half until he came up until he came off. Up front, I've given uh, Chris Martin uh, a seven, uh, and, and Naki Wells, I've given a seven. Martin for his assists and just general play. Naki Wells a seven. Anybody violently disagree with any uh, any of those? You know. Yeah, I would have, I would have given Dan Bentley an eleven, but uh, there you <laughs> go. Dave, any thoughts on that? It's a bit puerile doing this match rating, but everybody seems no, to agree. There are players I've given six because I've given sixes. Maybe do it this way: Viner, Hunt, Pato. I've sort of given them sixes and everybody else is sort of slightly above average. Yeah, yeah I'd, have I'd have probably, you know, been slightly harsh. I might have knocked Backinson down to a six from a seven. Okay. Pre- right. Pretty much everything else I'm, I'm, aligned, I'm aligned with. I, I thought it was yeah. a, a gritty performance. I think, yeah. you know, we played well in spells. And, and I think, you know, sixes and sevens with, with Bentley at ten is about... Is about the right scores. To yeah. Players. What about you, Ian? I, what about you, Ian? Did I you give, sort of? Well, Bentley, but as I said, Bentley a ten, uh, Viner six, Moore eight, Mawson eight, Hunt. I give a seven because he was marking two players for a lot of the half because we got our tactics a little bit wrong. As Dave identified earlier, we should have shifted an extra player over or brought brought Ryan Sessignon on and um, changed the. Uh, formation a little bit to stop yeah. them building down the left-hand side. But it was going on too long and they were putting too many crosses in the box. Yeah. Because um, you talk, I mean, you talk about, yeah, we bring Ryan Sessignon on. I mean, you know, you think, well, he's a bloody good player as well, isn't he? I mean, we've yeah. got... It's, it's, the we've, one that we've signed his brother is probably all right, though, isn't he? Steven. Oh, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the word... Yeah, word is they're trying to get him out on loan somewhere quite but, tasty, aren't but they? they are, but he's, they are twins. He's a left-back. Yeah, they, yeah are they, are, they are twin. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. If you look at Fulham trying to defend, I'm amazed they let us have either of them. I've got to be perfectly honest. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. I've got to tell you a funny story. I went to a wedding once. And I was chatting to a guy sat across the other side of the table, and he happened to know one of my uh, clients. He said, you do know he had a tw- twin brother or has a twin brother? I said, no, I didn't. He said, yeah. He said, we were convinced that he used to send his twin brother along to board meetings some of the time. Yeah, nobody knew the bloody difference, but uh, there we go. Um, <laughs> right, um, moving on. Uh, what about Forrest? I mean, uh, Lamucci, uh, Mark, it, uh, somebody put, he's already gone on, uh, I think, a, uh, uh, an OTIB uh, but he spent loads of money, uh, and he's got all the clubs in the bag, as uh, a certain other manager used to say. He was on TV giving his expert opinion on uh, Norwich versus uh, Derby. But uh, Mark, what, you know, Forest, do you think they're enough? They've lost four out of four, but you think they'll rise up the table? They've got too much quality not to, haven't they? You think so? I mean, um, they they blew it, didn't they, against uh, Stoke? I think even a three-two defeat, they would they would have. Uh, I think they they fell up fell out with the top six on goal difference in the end to, to Swansea City, and yeah, um, I mean they made about twelve they made back twelve signings. Uh, Silver, who, who scored that wonderful free kick against us that we you know I wanted to forget, he's been left out this season because I think he's due a move to Olympiacos. Somebody yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, and. That's made a difference. They were quite a counter-attacking team, quite defensive, and and you know it seems on the counter-attack. So a bit you know a bit of a one-trick pony. And he's tried to play from the back this season, and he's got a lot of good technical players, but just no end product. And like you said at the top of the show, Ianu got got you know against Hunt. They were getting those crosses in far too easily, but there was nothing on the end of it. Graben, you know, didn't didn't find uh, any any space behind the defence. They weren't really well, getting Graben, behind a couple of times. Much. You can see a couple of times you can see Graben lurking. I thought their best player who did get taken off or seemed very uh, dangerous. He bought the save from Bentley was Might. And when I looked him up on the online during the game, he's an eighteen year old kid. I mean, Dave, that's sort of you know he's Semenyo standard, isn't he? You know, he's really raw young kid, but he's certainly got something about him. Yeah, I've seen Forrest a couple of times uh, this season already. I saw the Cardiff game and the, the Huddersfield game last week as well, and he, he looks a uh, looks a bright, bright young player. So, uh, yeah, yeah keep, keep it on him. So this week it's sort of been happening off the pitch. Uh, I think last week we had uh, uh, Max O'Leary sign, then Taylor Moore and Zach Viner signed this week. Uh, Nicholas Eliasson has gone. Fam still hasn't signed. Um, just still with those signings and the fam situation, Ian, your thoughts on uh, the signing? You know, they're good getting these players locked in, aren't they? Yeah, because they're, they're saleable assets yeah. in two it's summers' time. All good. Um, and uh, great that they signed up for his long. Uh, concern is still the ones that haven't signed, obviously. Um, Walsh is one. Uh, fam is another that I'd worry about. Jack Hunt. Uh, you might, you know, it, whether whether you rate Jackson as the best right back, you wouldn't give him away for nothing. Uh, and we paid a, a reasonable fee to Wednesday for him. So um, I, th- I think I'd like to see those players um, under contract, particularly, well, Fam definitely, uh, Liam Walsh definitely. Um, and you've also got Jamie Patterson, who's out of contract in a year's time. Mm-hmm. So we, we do need to get that situation resolved. It's all right, Dean Olden saying he's relaxed about it, but you can only be relaxed about it if you're happy about the player um, leaving the club for nothing um, at the end of the season, which he might be. Look, he might have seven or eight better players lined up that he can bring in, so he might be quite relaxed about it. But if we're going to lose somebody, I'd much rather sell them 
then let them go for nothing. And like I yeah. said earlier, I'd, I'd hang on to FAM in, unless we get a really good bid and we've got a ready-made replacement. Yeah, yeah. Dave, um, again, no surprises in the match squad. 18, uh, Nicholas Eliasson coming in. Uh, sorry, Nicholas Eliasson gone and O'Dowder uh, coming in on the left. But again, no place for uh, Naj, Masengo and... Um, oh, God, who's the other midfielder? Palmer, no place for those three. Dave, do you think one or more of those three will go out, bearing in mind Williams, Walsh and Morella waiting in the wings and only fitness keeping them out of the running? And I know Ian's got an interesting point to make. I'll come to you next, Ian. But uh, Dave, do you think we'll see movement in those three, one or more? Your thoughts? Um, I certainly think Dean would like to move on one or more of them, whether financially clubs are willing to pick up the wages or a fee depending on whether it's permanent or loan is, is the $64 million question at the moment. And I think we're, we're seeing with, you know, going back to Nicholas Eliasson, if, you know, rumours are true that it's two and a half million euros, 2.25 million pound, we can see what the kind of availability of funds is across Europe to buy players, let alone in our own, in our own country. Mm. So I think that's the kind of sticking block and, we might have to be a bit um, clever in how we do that. And it might be that, if, you know, if we want to move someone on, then we, we you know, let's take Casey Palmer, for example. If someone wants to buy him, we might have to carry on paying some of his wages for the rest yeah. of the contract. And, and yeah. you know, we, I think that, that's what happened with J. Emmanuel Thomas when he, when he came here from Ipswich. I think that Ipswich yeah. was still paying X amount of his money and uh, yeah. we couldn't afford to pay him that could you see ended. Dave could you see Masengo of the three going out on loan just to get him to get some confidence yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Masengo and, and I think until this week I've always thought he needs to stay around here um, and you know and, and work with the first team but probably for the for the first time this week I've been perhaps advocating that he needs a loan move and, yeah. and to me that loan move in, into League One it's let's get him a, a loan move in, in France or maybe in, in the Bundesliga, first, maybe first, somewhere first like second that. Bundesliga against one of these kind of um, proactive clubs that are, that are there. Now, you know, that's easy for me to say that the guys moved him and his kind of family over to Bristol. So that might not be an easy one. So we'll wait, we'll wait and see. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see, unless you really just want him to learn how to play physical football, I, I don't think League One's the right place for him. But no. you know, that's just my Mark, view looking outside. Yeah. Mark, I'll come to you on this point that was raised by uh, the Shaxter, one of our listeners, uh, early on a few minutes ago. He said, uh, get a forum, us discuss selling Freeman for 250 k and trying to replace him, spending $3 million with O'Dowder and Eliasson that neither feature that strongly. I mean, Mark, did we make, not a mistake, but Freeman going, was that sort of with hindsight you know, we maybe could have kept hold of him or did he did he want away himself? I can't remember now, but your thoughts on that? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure where he was with his contract, but obviously he went, he six, went six back to QPR. Six months ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, so he got his contract. Johnson wasn't guaranteeing him a, a regular place and he took his yeah, option and, and, he, and he went for a reduced fee as a result of where his contract situation was. I think it's pretty clear that that's what happened. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah. he, he, was playing, he was playing on a side that, that were under pressure. Uh, you know, not not like we we are now. I think he only scored about two two goals uh, ever at Ashton Gate. He didn't score many, but really he set the world on fire in, in League One, like a number yeah. of those players. But going in going going up a step, 
I think the biggest, but the biggest mistake we ever made was letting go of uh, of Luke Aylin, uh, not necessarily Luke Freeman. Yeah, Steve's just but for that. that. Steve's just for that as a text. But let's look at the money situation. I think we've we've made a four hundred thousand pound profit on uh, Nicholas Eliasson. We haven't got those. We haven't had those saleable assets like uh, Liam Kelly. I think we shifted for about twelve, didn't we? Rising and Adam Webster for twenty rising last year. So maybe we need to free up some funds with FFP. Perhaps we've got a bit of flexibility. Dave would know because of those sales that we made last season. But if Fam doesn't sign, I see him as the only saleable asset. We're, if we try to sell Palmer, we're not going to get the four million or so back that we uh, that no. we paid Chelsea because he's already no. featured. Well, that's but got I another ring valve. That's got another ring valve on it, you know, which oh, is God, yeah. million quid down the drain. Yeah, whichever exactly. way you want that. And, Ode, and I think O'Dowd... Sorry, go on, Dave, Dave, sorry David, David's raising a point there. Yeah, sorry, yeah, on, on, the, on, on the Freeman one, you know, we can look at it in, in black and white as being, you know, what was it, 250,000 the QPR in that, in that January. but And that looks bad. But let's also look at the longer term that we we probably made something between five and 600,000 off the back of his sell-on when he went from QPR to Sheffield United. So it wasn't a, you know... A, Single, yeah. single deal. So it, you well, know, I was just going to say, I was just going to say that, and I think it was uh, five hundred thousand that he went to QPR for. But Johnson didn't like him as a player, and uh, the the problem is that that's okay. Saying I don't want that particular player at the club, I haven't got a problem with any manager saying that, providing they've got a vision and they just just don't. We seem to have collected footballers with no particular formation or plan in mind. So, for example, yeah. when Eliasson went, you look around and think, oh, well, we can't change anything now because we haven't got any wingers. Oh, hang on a minute. We've got Adelakan, Patterson, O'Dowda. And that's three that can play wide to start with. So, plus Vyman, because he was playing wide a lot of the time as plus, well, wasn't he? Plus, plus Vyman, who I don't think is a wide player. But, yes, he has played there. Dave, you're right. So I, I, that's the bit of it I don't get. The alien yeah. one is just an absolute disaster. And I just pray to God that we've got a whacking great um, sell-on on him. Yeah. And then when he, when he moves eventually, um, I, I think, yeah. you know, hopefully we can make some money then. Maybe. Ian, I want to brand. He was Sorry, 250. 250, absolute joke that was, wasn't it? I think he I think he he went because he was tarnished by the uh, Cheltenham incident. I don't know. That's just me being uh, me being me. Ian, you made a good point uh, to me offline uh, around about lunchtime today. You said that when Messrs um, uh, Walsh, Morrell, and I can't remember, keep remember forgetting the trio. Walsh, Morrell, and Williams, Williams come back. Those three. You said you tried various permutations and you couldn't see how they would fit in with the way that we're playing at the moment. Would you like to expand on that just a bit? Yeah, for example, at the moment, we're playing with with what has been described as two number eights in midfield and Tyreek Bakinson. Uh, sorry, Bakinson. Now, if Tyreek is out, uh, Williams was bought to play that position. So that's fine. He just comes. He just comes in. Nothing changes. Then you've then got um, Wyman and Pato. Now let's say those two, for whatever reason, are out. Pato has to. Uh, Wyman has to move forward and play as a second striker, uh, or Pato's out through loss of form or suspended. And you bring in, let's say, Walsh and Morel. 
They're completely and utterly different players. Or both good players and both, in my humble opinion, better midfield players, but they are different. So how does Dean Holden, he's going to have to change the way the side's playing, uh, although he doesn't need to change the formation. And I just think that's an interesting one. Yeah. If well, let's see what Dave, yeah, if it happens. Dave, happens. what do you think of that? I mean, you look at the structure more than uh, any of us with your uh, diagrams and, and, and what have you. But uh, no, and I'm saying that in, a, in, yeah, in the most positive uh, sense. But, you know, Ian makes a point of how do you play that. Uh, and and uh, I think Steve's added Morel can play the holding role, but he doesn't have the physique. That's the other thing that Backinson Bakinson has. But uh, your thoughts, uh, uh, Dave, on Ian's point about the structure of the midfield going forward. Yeah, I, I, it's one of the things I'm I'm not overly concerned about because I think all of them in there have got more than one facet to their game. So we talk about Morel can hold. Morel can play box to box as well. Um, we look at Liam yeah. Walsh. Liam Walsh can, can play the you know the deep line playmaker, for example. But he could probably play one of those number eight roles as well. So I, I don't I don't feel too worried. I, I can't wait to see. Joe Williams back in there and, and seeing that kind of energy you get from him and that physical, you know, nastiness that he's got in there as well mm. as the ability to play. So I sit here fairly, you know, as Dean would say, I'm, I'm pretty calm about it. Yeah. I, think, I just want to see some of the play, I think. Yeah, Dave, you uh, probably saw on the, you know, I think it was on Twitter, I've seen a couple of places today, incomings, and we, we're being linked with a former Tottenham youth player who's out on loan at, uh, no, yeah, he's on loan at Besiktas in Turkey. Do we need another winger? Is he an England youngster that would come, at, or, I don't remember whether he's, no, he's not got an English name, don't mean anything. Cuckoo, isn't it? Yeah, what is it? Is, is he a youth player that would be known to Dowling, Downing and... Um, Simpson, such that they'd want him in. But is there a place for a winger? We just got rid of one. We don't really need another, do we? Short answer, no, we don't. No. So that's just uh, that's just uh, paper talk. OK, Mark, coming to you next. I mean, here we are, four games in, international break, first one coming up. Um, it seemed to be a feature under the Lee Johnson uh, tenure that whenever there was an international break and we were on a bit of a roll, we'd come back and we'd be crap basically. You know, we'd have to get the momentum. <laughs> yeah, there's no two ways about it. I haven't done the analysis. Yeah. I haven't done the analysis, but, uh, you know, let's just look back. What, why do you think that happened? Did we let players have a little bit too much free time? Were we not as structured and as disciplined? Yeah, your your thoughts on past international breaks and how you think maybe Dean will take things differently? Um, I think if you look at last season, we had players like Thomas Callas messed up by uh, the Czech national team. When he was sat around and he 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 he, he, he uh, pulled a muscle, and then of course you had the Adam Nad situation. When every time he went to play for Hungary, he, he wasn't fit when he came when he went there, and he came back even worse. I just think with with uh, with Lee, it's a completely different story. A manager who was just akin to tactical changes all of the time, and, and he never had a settled side. Where we are now, we've got Dean Holden who's playing with an understrength side. With two midfield players in Patterson and Vyman, who you wouldn't in a million years think could put their foot in, but we still won four games. So yeah. we've got you say when we bring proper <laughs> midfield players in, and Walsh can get past. He, Walsh, I mean, he scored a wonderful solo goal cat last year when he ran past a few players, and he's got he a great shot on it. So he, what what exciting football we got to come in? Well, we got to look forward to. I mean, Ian, this sort of rigid team selection. This was a feature of the 2017-18 season when Johnson was forced to play 
the same uh, 11 in that sort of stunning start, not as stunning as this by a long way, but that good start to the season. And we did run out of puff, most definitely. Yeah, we all know what happened in the early part of 2018. But uh, we've got that bit right now, haven't we? Because we have got these players that are coming back. Ian, your, your thoughts on, on that and... Uh, yeah, and the yeah. injured players. What what happens when they do come back? You know, where where are they going to fit in? Never mind formation. You know, we've just got this embarrassment of riches now. Well, we've only got an embarrassment of riches in certain positions, and I think True. the centre midfield, centre field midfield is one. We we definitely need, and I'll keep on about it until Dean Olden agrees with me. We definitely need another <laughs> centre back. Well, because you've got Baker out until Christmas. For that reason alone, we need another centre back if we're going to go on playing with three. If we're going to play a back four and two centre-backs, fantastic. You don't need them. But um, I'd be concerned that it is to... If you look at look at the midfield, that team was dead on its feet by the Christmas game after we played Wolves and we, we lost very narrowly. Um, and we don't need to do that this year. So if we're playing three games a week and that starts when we come back from the international break, um, then... Backinson doesn't need to play yeah. all all three all three games. You know he can yeah. be on the bench for one. Williams can come in and play that position. Uh, you could bring Morel in for um, Pato or Wyman or and Liam Walsh in. So I, I don't want to make changes for changes' sakes. And they say never change a winning team. But what we don't want to do is wear them all out. And also we don't want to finish up with a bunch of players that are absolutely undercooked when they come in to play for us because you can train yeah. all you want. There's no substitute for playing games mm. and you don't want to finish up with all those players undercooked. And I think to a degree, that's what's happened with Casey Palmer. When he, when he gets a game, he comes in and he's pretty much undercooked. And, yeah. and unless he has an absolutely outstanding game like he did against Northampton, um, people are saying, well, there you are. I told you, he, he, he can't do it. But So I don't think it's, it's been fair on the lad. It was a puzzling signing when we signed him and, and then put Pato out on loan. I always thought that was a strange one. Um, whether we could get our money back on Palmer, Naj, um, Han, Han Noah, you're not going to get uh, no. four, and a half, four and a half, five million quid for him. No chance. So no, no. I... I would I would suggest, and I, I agree. I think with with Dave that unless he's going to go somewhere with, um, uh, so I'm, I'm a team to be honest that plays a bit of football and plays through midfield like Peterborough, um, where Smodics went and did well, and then we were able to move him on for actually more than we paid for him. Um, I, I think he, he'd be okay in a side like that. But, uh, I mean, if he had to go back to France, bearing in mind the point Dave made is true. He's a young kid. He's moved yeah. all his family over from France. They're in Bristol. Mm. And then if he shoots off back to France... <laughs> yeah, um, they don't really know, want to be here. Um, perhaps perhaps I mean, they, they, they could go with him or whatever, I don't know. But I think he, he needs games of football because yeah. I don't see any improvement. In fact, I see... He's um, regressed. He's regressed since, since uh, yeah. he started playing for us. Yeah. Let me go back to to, um, to uh, Dave on that. I mean, of some of the players um, that you'd expect maybe would blossom under a new manager, um, Masengo, he's, he, he's not been given many minutes by uh, 
uh, Dean, and the whole you know the tail end of last season, and certainly not this. Dave, your thoughts on that? Is he he just doesn't fancy him as a player, or he's just not good enough? Because he comes up with the it's how they look in training, which we've heard that before. But uh, your thoughts on Hanoa? Yeah, I thought first first game of the season against Exeter, I, I, I thought he was in there for one of the candidates for man the match. I thought he had a, a good game, and then he had a difficult fifty five minutes against Coventry. The next next game, Backinson's come in and you know and taken his shirt as, as you kind of Holden's given his kind of principal team selection off the off, off the back of that. I I don't think Masengo's a defensive or holding midfielder. I think the the bits and pieces I saw of him at Monaco, albeit you know after he joined us, because I didn't know much about him, was he played as what I would call a kind of progressive midfielder who yeah. you know, moves with the ball up the pitch rather than sits at the base of it. And I think you know the, the championship's pretty uh, unforgiving if you're not physical in that that holding midfield yeah. position. So I yeah. think he's just a what's the word um, a casualty to some extent of how well Vyman and Patterson have done. Yeah, in those two number eight positions, and I no. think, you know, I, I think that, I think it is probably right for him to go and get the right kind of loan. Get some minutes. I don't think it's because he's a bad player. I no. just think it's one of those things that he's, he doesn't quite fit. Yeah, he, he doesn't justify a place ahead of the the two people who probably play in his better position at the moment. Yeah. That's, that's football, isn't it? Yeah, and Dave, I'll uh, come to you because I asked the other two guys about this international break uh, coming up. Do you think it's come at the wrong time for City because we've got momentum or do you think it provides a nice little two-week break to get some of the players more on grass actually involved in uh, pre-match action? But, you know, wrong timing for the international break. We've got to live with it. But uh, do you think we can pick up uh, when they return away at Barnsley and equal 1927? Um. Yeah, I think Dean Holden's interview on, on Radio Bristol, he said, I don't worry about the international break. I have no control over it. He said the positive from it is that some of those lads who've been injured are going to get some time to get back on the grass and, and, and they'll be, you know, hopefully ready for it when we come back. And, and I think hopefully we come back and, and look stronger as a, as, a, as a squad as a result. Um, I think it's been a fairly intense period of, of games. You know, apart from this week, yeah. we've played Saturday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday for, for three yeah. weeks at the start of a season off a an unusual preseason. I think there's a danger that you know, if the international break didn't come up here, is when you start running into muscle injuries as well. So I think he'll be quite glad to kind of wrap them up to to a certain extent in cotton wool for a for a week and then train yeah. them hard that, that that second week in preparation albeit it'll be a slightly curtailed preparation because a couple of players will be away but that, that, that's life in a championship yeah. Ian final point from you the players the team spirit they seem to be playing with a smile on their faces don't you if you watch the little clips that come from Phelan in training it just seems more uh, more more switched on better organised what, what do you think spirit and the organisation organisation uh, the team's better organised. Yeah. Um, spirit, no idea, because you'd have to be in the training camp to know that. And I know yeah. people say, well, the commentator said this. He on Robin's TV, he'd have no idea. And, <laughs> and Brian T- Brian Tinian, God bless him. I think he's a really good summariser, as was Rene Gil Martin. But he's a club employee, yeah. so he can hardly go on there and say, oh God, you know, there's some discontent in the camp and this. The other thing you've got to keep in mind is we if if they aren't happy after we've won four games, and yeah, I'm not they're never going to be happy. 
I'm not talking about the lads that are uh, either injured. I, I think the only place you'd have a little bit of dissension and then not in a really bad way would be the likes of Naj, Pat, Palmer, Masengo, um, who would be disappointed not to be in the team. Mm. But obviously they totally understand that they're not if the team's winning. I think it's a little bit like if you're a striker yeah. in a team that's not not scoring any goals, then you've got every right to knock on the manager's door and say, Oi, you haven't forgot me, have you? But at the moment, what I want a game. What can they I say? Yeah. Well guys, look, we're uh, we're coming up to the hour I think it's been a really it's always better to talk uh, when we've got a win and we've had four of those now we've had a good cup run we lost to Villa that's been the only blemish uh, and what have you but um, we've got a week off next week we've got a week off as well I might try and line up an in conversation with the uh, chat with uh, somebody that might happen but uh, thank you for your views thanks for the uh, I think it's about 30 people have been listening live this is going to go out on uh, Spotify as well and I'll load it up to OTIB the recording again about 300 uh, downloads an episode which I think considering we've only been going 22 episodes uh, that's been great um, final wrap up from uh, each of you first of all Dave um, feeling positive we say this every week now don't we yeah but it's looking good holding ball keeps on rolling yeah I saw your little comment there holding ball um, Mark uh, you know you've got to be happy you're a positive guy anyway, but, uh, you know, we're not used to this, are we? You haven't been for a good couple of years or so. No, as Columbo was saying, just one more thing, David. We are top <laughs> of the league. <laughs> and, uh, and Ian, you know, yeah. giving Bents a 10 out of 10, first time you've given a 10 in your uh, rankings, That's uh, that's got to be good, hasn't it, yeah? Yeah, it, Ian, what's going Ian. on? <laughs> yeah, what have, you, what have you done with Ian? Where is he? Well, um, with the real Ian, please stand up. Yeah, the the, yeah. the only my my concern now is that we get to after the international break, we don't get any new injuries in training or anything like that. The lads that go away for an international, and, and he said after the game that O'Dowda was going away. I noticed he didn't mention Morel, so uh, I hope they're they're all fit, and it'd be very interesting to see if we could get everybody apart from Baker, back for the Barnsley game. Having said that, when uh, Thomas Callas got injured, yeah. they said he was out for a month or two. Now, it, it, by that date, he will have been out for almost exactly a month. Yeah, And I know it seems yeah. longer because of the games, but that's how long he's been out. Because I, I think we, we definitely need, need him back. And I think Callas and Williams, particularly, are two players who could make um, mass, mass, make us even better than we are. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's good, positive stuff, guys. Thanks. Have a great uh, Saturday. What's uh, what's left of it? And uh, I'm sure we'll talk between us uh, in the intervening uh, days. But thanks for your time. Thank you. Well done, City. Thanks, and uh, we'll speak to you all again very very soon. Thanks for listening. All the best. Cheers. Take man. care. Cheers Bye. Cheers. Keep all smiling, all. Keep smiling. We will. Oh, Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.